All right, all right. How are you guys doing? Come on, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You can yell at me, shout at me, but it's t- hopefully it's at the right time. Uh, hey, what's the simplest way? I just I, I put down this question right off the beginning. What's the simplest way to have the heart of God, yet us go out and influence the culture that we live in? Anyone just want to throw it out? Anybody? Uh, be a disciple. There, I gave you the answer. Sermon's done. We can all go home. You're like, no, really? No, there's more. Uh, but we're a week three of this awesome series that Pastor Rob kicked off a couple weeks ago. And it, it's all, it's all called Kingdom Culture, just as Josiah shared. And it's all about discipleship. And, uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Rob kicked it off. He said a disciple is passionately committed to Jesus. And then last week, we talked about how a disciple has this extraordinary love for people. Now today, we're going to talk about how a disciple has this, uh, the heart of a servant and serving people and, and what that looks like. And, and I don't know about you, I, I kind of try to look for these opportunities all the time. And, and I remember a story years ago, um, uh, when we lived in our old house, uh, I was trying to learn how to be a better guy with, uh, taking care of our lawn. And, uh, and I realized in the backyard that there was some thistles and I'm a farm boy and I'm like, I do not like thistles. I think they're straight up from the devil. You can quote me on that. And, and, and so I didn't know like how all the, the lawn care, like weed killers worked and stuff, but I knew one weed killer that worked for everything and that's called Roundup. And so my dad had given me the good stuff, the stuff, the farm grade stuff, and I had it in a little spray bottle and I just got this idea. I was going to do an experiment. And so I took the spray bottle and, and I, I took, and I went around to every thistle in my backyard. Again, an experiment. Okay. Uh, and I, I just sprayed a little bit right in the middle of each of the thistles just to see if I could just kill the thistle and not kill my grass, you know? And then I thought, well, my neighbor has some and, um, I should say, like, I haven't really got to know my neighbor yet, but I thought, he's got thistles, so I want to help him with his. And so I went over and I sprayed his too. Uh, now, the bummer of the whole thing, it may have worked, but it rained, like, right not long after I did that. <laughs> I think the rain spread the roundup. So in a few days, like, there were brown patches all over. You could tell exactly where the thistles were. <laughs> And uh, needless to say, I got to meet my neighbor and uh, found out that he is a lawn, like, freak advocate. Like, he's, so, anyway, it all turned out, it all turned out that uh, we became really good friends, still friends today. So, sometimes we have good intentions, but not uh, necessarily the best way of going about it. But I don't know about you, I am so blessed and excited that we're doing this this uh, series on discipleship, though, because... Um, we got this book here, and it's, it's, the book is called, uh, 10 Qualities That Move You From a Believer to a Disciple by Dennis Rouse. And, and this is just so exciting because I don't know about you, everybody, each and every one of us needs to get on this pathway and this journey of following Jesus. We need all the help we can get. So if you haven't gotten this book yet, we're selling them at the Welcome Center for a discounted price because we want you to get it, but don't just get it, read it. Now, is there anyone in here that has not gotten this book yet? but you want to read it. All right. Will you give that to D? D, it's yours. Enjoy. You got to read it and then give me like just a, like a, 
10-page report, no big deal. Um, uh, you know, what it meant to you. But hey, how many of you know also that it's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus and not read this, not read your Bible? If, if the goal and, and the true heart of discipleship is to learning what Jesus did and learn what Jesus taught and then go and live it out in our lives, we got to be in our Bibles. And so what we do here at River Valley, we have this thing called SOAP. It's our reading plan. And we give these out at the door. The ushers will have them at the door. But it's scripture, observation, application, prayer. So you read the chapter or the two chapters, whatever. And that's the scripture. And then what did God speak to you? And then how does that apply to my life? And then you pray it in. So that's the plan. And so it's pretty hard, again, to, to know what Jesus is teaching if we're not studying and seeking what he taught. Um, God has a plan for us. Now, obviously, this journey, it all starts at the moment of salvation where we literally... Our eyes are open and we get it that, that I need this forgiveness that Jesus has for me. And if you're in here and you have not received that forgiveness from Jesus yet, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service. Uh, salvation. There's this awesome verse that kind of explains the whole thing, but explains more than just salvation. It's Ephesians 2 verse 8. And it says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is uh, not a reward for the good things we've done so that none of us can boast about it. So the whole salvation thing is amazing, but it goes on from there. It goes beyond that. It says this in verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things he had planned for us long ago. So if you can see, like after salvation, there's more. There's more that God has planned for us. And, and if you need to know what's the first step from salvation into discipleship, I'll tell you right now, it's water baptism. It's water baptism. And if you have not been water baptized, you've believed in Jesus, but you're like, Pastor, I haven't gotten water baptized yet. Your opportunity is coming up in two weeks at our picnic, July 21st. You can go out to the Welcome Center after service and sign up and get water baptized. It's going to be amazing. It's always a powerful moment when people make their public declaration of Jesus. And and for some of you, uh, you know, you maybe were water baptized as an infant. You know, they sprinkled water on you. I was that was me. Like that, my, the dominant denomination that I grew up in did that. But at River Valley, we just see the pattern that we see in the Bible where children, the parents brought the children to the temple and they dedicated their children to the Lord. And then when they grew up and they made their own personal decision to follow Jesus, then they were water baptized, publicly uh, professing their faith. So that's the pattern we see. Uh, and if you don't believe me, let me read the Great Commission to you. I just want to read this to you. Pastor Rob has shared this, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says this, Jesus came to his disciples and he said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given them, and be sure of this, uh, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So you see, the great co-mission is us working with God, and, and it's not just leading people to faith in Jesus, that's amazing, but he actually gave us his strategy, and that strategy is to go make disciples, because disciples are going to live out what Jesus did in this world, and if you want to know what that looks like, Acts 10.38 says this, it says, and you know God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, 
And then Jesus, he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. And now I understand when we read verses like this and we see how Jesus lived, it can be a little overwhelming, a little like, uh, does he expect me to do that? And the answer is yes. Actually, in John 12, he said that we would do even greater things. Why? Because he sensed his Holy Spirit. But I want you to know that he made it really simple for each and every one of us. In John 15, he, he boiled it down to one word, and that word is abide. Another word for that would be like follow or stay close. And, and in John 15, 5, he, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So as you see, like Jesus is just like, stay close to me and live like me. I promise you're going to bear fruit. So that brings us to for today's uh, focus on discipleship. And today's focus is having a servant's heart. And uh, one day, uh, when Jesus kind of had, had to set things straight on, on what this would look like with his disciples, because they just couldn't figure out how he was going to lead. They thought he was going to be a king like all the others that they had experienced. And so in Matthew 20, 25, Jesus says this. He says, but he called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So you see, Jesus, he served us to the point of death. To that extent. And, and it just, this kind of verse, a verse like this really challenges my dedication in the level that I'm serving God. Mark Miller, who is, he was actually the 16th employee with Chick-fil-A. Mark Miller, he wrote a book on, uh, growing in leadership. And, uh, the, he said the number one character trait that you need to become a great leader is to think others first. Think others first. He says, this is the cornerstone of leadership. Servant leadership, he said, is the highest form of leadership. For some of us, most of us, this maybe doesn't come naturally to, to be this like leader yet servant leader. Like, how does that work? But what he challenges us in and what I challenge you in is to live a disciplined life in this area. We have to discipline ourselves. That's what disciple means. A disciple has a disciplined life. But as you live the disciplined life of a servant, it now becomes natural. And all of a sudden you're just doing it all the time. Now, I ask you this, what would happen if we all learned to add value to everyone we meet by serving them on a daily basis? How would that change your life? Now, I also believe that Jesus doesn't want us to just serve out of obligation just because we have to. He wants us to serve with joy and have this heart that's just overabundantly flowing with all that he has for us. Galatians 6, 2 through 3 said this, the apostle Paul states, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think that you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You're not that important. It was like, oh, man, he just hits me like right there. But I was like, also, you know, like, like I ever thought, like, what is the number one thing that could keep me from having a servant heart? Like, what's the one thing that could get in the way? And I think this one is going to hit home. Billy Graham said this. He said, we hurt people by being too busy. 
We're too busy to notice their needs. We're too busy to drop a note of comfort or encouragement or assurance of love. We're too busy to listen to someone when they need to talk. We're too busy to care. And and I couldn't think when I read this, like I thought of a, a just almost a year ago, that tornado went through down south. Y'all remember that? And uh, took out a lot of stuff in Faribault. It kind of did this hop thing and it, and it hit my cousin's farm down in Northfield. And I used to work with these guys and, and I couldn't believe it when I I saw the pictures. It took out all their bins and their sheds. Thank God it didn't do anything to the houses. It's amazing. But uh, I remember seeing the pictures and I'm texting them and I'm encouraging them and I'm praying for them. But the thing that I still regret today is I never took the time to just go down there and show up and help with the cleanup. Like I, I was too busy, right? I didn't, I didn't show that I cared. And, but, but you know, the apostle Paul, again, he keeps calling us back to this new level of greatness and how we can be the difference maker in times like these. And he also encouraged the Philippians when he said this verse. He said, uh, in Philippians 2, Three through four, he said, you got everything you need. You got love, strength, you got grace, you got everything you need. And then he goes on to say, don't, don't do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of other. Again, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Um, now, it's good. I believe that we should all be ambitious. How many of you know, like, like some people need more ambition, like, like they need the cattle prod kind to just get moving, do anything. So ambition isn't bad. It's just, is your ambition so ambitious that it's keeping you from being aware of the God opportunities that come your way every day? Now, you, some of this, you might be amazed by this, but I actually kind of like to be organized at times. Like I like the calendar on my phone. I like putting all of my appointments in my meetings, in my phone. I like to know, because th- if they're not in the phone, I, I almost promise you I'm going to miss them. And it's not that they're not important. I just like, there's a few things going on up here. And, um, but I just know that sometimes they, that I've even had meetings and appointments in my calendar and I still have missed them. Anybody ever missed an appointment or missed a meeting? Anybody been the one that got missed? Like you were there at the coffee shop and you're texting them like, hey, where are you at? I mean, it's kind of disappointing, isn't it? And, and I just want you to know that a disappointment is actually a missed appointment. And, and I want to ask, ask you, are there appointments in your daily life from God that, that you could have made a difference, but you're so busy, your calendar is so full and so stuff of all, full of all the important stuff that you thought you got to be doing that God put something right in your lap and you missed it. You missed it. He had the best for you. Uh, uh, this, there's a book, uh, Paul Scanlon. He's a pastor over in England and, and he knew this problem and they get busy over there too, I guess. Uh, but the little call word there is go ahead, inconvenience me. I thought that's pretty interesting. Go ahead, inconvenience me. More or less the challenge of this book, you can still read if you want, but is, is, is to take on a challenge, a personal challenge and plan for 15 minutes a day to just just be inconvenienced 
at least the minimum of 15 minutes a day. Maybe, maybe you help someone with a flat tire or you, you pay for someone's groceries at the, at the grocery store. Or maybe you, someone needs encouragement. Maybe God puts a word on your heart for someone and you just go over and by faith encourage, you share some encouragement with them. Anything, 15 minutes a day, you can be inconvenienced and see God do something supernatural with you and through you. But I know we should be honestly super excited for these opportunities because how many of you know this is the kind of stuff that makes our faith come alive. This is what gets us fired up to be who we are in Christ Jesus. This is where all the amazing God stories come from. Even as I'm sharing that, I'm sure some of you have a story where you got to to encourage someone one day or another. And um, I want you to know that serving is like the doorway into some people's lives. When you serve someone, that could be the game changer. And they may not have even talked to you before that. But now all of a sudden you start serving them and they're like, they're going to let you into their life. And and when they ask, if they ask, you're going to have an answer. Just like 1 Peter 3.15 says, it says, Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed because they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. How many of you know if you're going to live for Jesus and you're going to live with this heart of a servant, it's going to cost you. Don't think that it's just a freebie. It's going to cost you, but it's worth it. It is so worth it. If you take someone from death to life or you just make a difference in someone's world, the, the servanthood that begins with a humble heart comes from putting others above ourselves. It's a new way of thinking. Now, how can I de- develop this servant heart? Okay, how can I develop that? Some of you might not like this, but practice. <laughs> you need to practice. You need to do it in your everyday life. And I just want to share some ways and places that you can practice serving. Now, uh, there are different ways to serve. Pastor Rob has this amazing book. I know I got a lot of books up here, but uh, the one, it's called Fix It. And if you haven't read it yet, it's an amazing book. You want to hear more about this church and uh, what our journey of our lead pastor, read this book. But in this book, he said, there's three general ways to serve. The first one is general. That would be like serve day, serve day. Like, like when we go out on Saturday, that would be like general serving. And what happens when you generally serve people, you just, you're out there and what you're doing is you're selflessly giving of yourself. This kind of serving has a way of killing your pride, which is a good thing. It creates in us a humble heart where we start to put people above ourselves versus us looking down at others. Um, gathered is the second way. Gathered happens when we come together as a church. So when you serve here, you're serving in a gathered way. The third way is gifted. A lot of you have gifts and talents that God gave you. Some of you, you developed because of your vocation. Maybe you went to school for it, but either way, you're gifted in one way or shape or another. And uh, our heart, I don't know if you know, we value excellence. And you can bring that gift into the church and help us do things with excellence. Maybe you're musical or tech or IT or administrative or maintenance or accountant, or maybe you uh, have the gift of hospitality. Uh, You could bring that into the church. Now, there are different ways and places to serve, okay? This is a place to practice in your home. 
in your family, you're never going to run out of opportunities to serve at home. I promise you. Uh, if you look around, there's opportunities everywhere. You could clean, you can mow, you can shovel the driveway. Not now, praise God. Uh, wait till winter. Uh, you can pull the weeds in the yard. You could do the dishes. Novel idea. You could do your own dishes. Wow, you could serve. Like, and then they say the best marriages, and this makes sense. Best marriages are the marriages that the each couple is constantly looking for ways to serve one another. If you're if you're married and you're just like constantly looking for a way to serve your spouse, man, you're gonna have an amazing marriage, even if troubles come. Uh, you could pray for each other. You can, every one of us can pray for each other in our homes. Uh, kids, if you want to blow your parents' minds sometime, do the dishes or vacuum without being asked. And you can take it even a step farther and you can clean the toilets. Praise God. <laughs> that creates humility. Uh, number two place to practice is in your community. How are you taking this out there? How are you taking the church outside these four walls? How are you serving in your community? You could serve at work, in the schools, in your neighborhoods. Is there a neighbor that needs help? Maybe they're elderly or maybe they just had surgery or something like that where you could just practically go over and help them. Does your community have a food shelf? We have one. It's called the Open Door Food Shelf. And Teresa Stokes, I think she's in here. Teresa is the volunteer coordinator. You can just bombard Teresa after service and ask her how she can serve. You can serve at the open door. Thank you, Teresa, for doing that. We have a gal called, her name is Jill Jill Ganaway. She serves once a month. She goes out and they feed uh, homeless people and then they give them stuff that they need to to live. And uh, you could go and serve with Jill and her team. How about a retirement home? Maybe you could serve there. You can walk and pray through your neighborhoods. You could pray for your neighbors. You could walk and pray for your schools in your neighborhood. Uh, Maybe your kid's school could use some volunteers. How about serve day? There's this thing happening on Saturday. If you weren't listening earlier at 830, you can serve in the community with us on Saturday morning. It's going to be amazing. After service, just go out and sign up. It's going to be awesome. And and don't, don't think that the community needs it. We need it. We need to go out and we need to give up of ourselves and, and start practicing what we preach. Third, practice in your church. Practice right here. Donald, in that book that I gave Dee, um, he says this, there are three kinds of people in the church. One, there are visitors. Visitors, they've been invited. Maybe they're, they're going to scope out a church that they heard of. So they come, they come in and check it out, but they may be here next week. They may be at another church visiting another church next week. Um, there's the second one is renters. Now renters come on a regular basis, but they're more like a consumer. Um, they're, they're here uh, to have a need met. Uh, and as long as that need is met, they're doing good. But if that need isn't met, they may go somewhere else. Um, another metaphor for a renter would be likened to someone staying in a hotel room. They're there in that hotel for comfort and convenience, but uh, it, they aren't uh, picking up their own towels. They aren't making their own bed. Uh, but thank God we have a third type, and the third type is owners. Owners pray for the pastors in the church. They tithe faithfully to the Lord. They're connecting in life groups or out in the community with people. They serve on a life team in one shape, way, shape, or form or another. And we have amazing examples at this campus. One of those is, uh, is our deacons. Our deacons serve faithfully to lead this campus. One of those deacons, Rhonda Schaefer, uh, she's in charge, so she's got a big job. She's in charge of getting Sue and I people to pray every month. 
And this month, it's Paul and Bridget Glazer. And I just want to say thank you, Rhonda, for setting that up every month. Some of you have prayed for us because you're asked. Some of you are just praying because you know I need help. And uh, But thank you guys for, for doing that. Thank you for praying for us. Another person is David Schaefer. David works back in the tech booth with Mark and his family. And David... David not only wears awesome outfits every week, but he serves faithfully. He's got a beautiful heart. And uh, another one is Stephen Jelks. Stephen Jelks, you maybe can't see him behind the cage, but he drums almost every week on our worship team. He is faithful. Susan, thank you for giving of your husband every week to let him be a drummer in our band. Nate Feldehan. Nate, Nate has been ser- faithfully serving out in our parking lot since I believe the, day, the first day we came to Egan Campus. He's been out there, and he's a Amazing. If you need a place to plug in, parking lot is a great place to plug in. You are literally the first person anyone meets when they come to River Valley Church. Go out there, smile, wave, and, and welcome them in. Another amazing group is, is the Borman family. The Borman family has fa- served faithfully in our Go Kids today. They were out in the cafe serving together as a family. They just went to Spain together on global team to Spain, and it was amazing and life-changing. Uh, thank you, Bormans. Uh, now, we got this this guy, his, he's a crazy man called Brian Williams. He has one of the coolest Jeeps in our church, maybe in the city. And he's got a team of men, and they do maintenance on this building. Tim Asplin and Mike St. Clair. And, and literally, we just we find stuff that's broken, and they, they show up on Saturday mornings, and they fix it for us. And they're amazing men. Uh, one of them, Mike St. Clair, he'll show up uh, when we have Alpha and Sisterhood going on. We flip this room from rows to tables. And the ushers, it's awesome. They stack the chairs at the end of service. You've maybe seen that. Mike and his sons will show up on Sunday afternoon and they'll they'll put the tables out, the tablecloths, and put chairs around there. It's amazing. Thank you, Mike, for doing that. And, and know this, serving in the church is an easy way. If you need to get connected, that's an easy way to get connected in the life of the church and be known. Uh, this church, by the way, is not built on a few of us up here on stage doing stuff. This church is built on you. This church Church is built on people who give of themselves and make this happen every week. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says this. It says, so instead we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, his church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. On your seat is one of these high-tech uh, life team sign-up cards. It might be on the, the seat next to you. Here's what we ask. Fill it out. If you're not serving yet, fill it out accurately and so that we can read it and and only put like like put the right service time campus all that stuff and then put an exact area just mark one thing just start with one thing when i started in church i just started ushering and then when i started ushering all of a sudden god had me uh teaching kids and then i was teaching older kids and that's just let god get you started somewhere and and he'll move you to your sweet spot so go ahead fill that out you can take it out to the welcome center after service here's the last thing serve with enthusiasm. We should be excited. Like, like you shouldn't be greeting at the door and be like, yeah, welcome to church. Praise God. Glad you're here. Go ahead. 
And then uh, we, should, we should be the most excited people on the face of the earth. Our hearts should be blowing over with passion for people and the love of people. Uh, if you go to Chick-fil-A and you ask someone for help, they have one response. And I believe it's, it's maybe taught, obviously, but it becomes who they are. And the response is, it's my pleasure. My pleasure, my pleasure. It's my pleasure to help you. And I think that ought to be our response. Colossians 3.23 says this, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So I want to close out this service with... um, a couple stories, just just how God has used me to to try and serve whenever He's asked. And one of those things that that I've I've just put on myself, and one of the easiest ways is my neighborhood. I love the house we live in. I'm super thankful for our house. But ever since we moved in there, God made it very clear on my heart: if I don't reach out to my neighbors, I should no, not be living in that house. I have no business living there if I'm not going to love on my neighbors. So I've just looked for ways to love on my neighbors. I've mowed lawns. I've helped on home projects. I've shoveled snow. We bought a snowblower so that I could snowblow people's driveways because I was borrowing my neighbor's snowblower and then snowblowing other people's driveways with his snowblower. So I thought, maybe I should get my own. Uh, but anyway, funny story. My next door neighbor, like I try to help him, but he doesn't really want help sometimes. But uh, but one time, he, you know, I knew this, but he had a heart attack. So I'm thinking, okay, you need to relax. I'll mow your lawn. Like I'll, I'll do, take care of your house, whatever you need. I'll help. And, and he still kind of wouldn't let me. But one time it snowed. And so I'm going, I got my snowblower and I'm going to actually another neighbor's house, but I just couldn't help it. I went by his driveway and the snow is deep and I thought, I'm just going to quick do his driveway and he won't notice and then I'll get out of here. And so I'm heading up the driveway like snowblowing and I'm like looking at the door so he doesn't, you know, and and all of a sudden my, my snowblower is just shaking. Like I'm like, what happened? And I shut it off and I went and looked and sure enough, the newspaper guy came by when it started snowing and chucked the newspaper on the driveway. It's like, pal, what do you think I'm going to do when I'm done, you know, when it's done snowing? So I'm pulling this newspaper out of my snowblower. And then I look up and I had shredded newspaper all over his front yard on top of the snow. I'm like, oh no, like in and out. Now what am I going to do? I can't hold the newspaper. So I run back to my garage and I throw it in the, in the recycling. I run in back to my snowblower and he's figured it out. He's, he's got his arm out the door. He's like, just go away. Just leave. I'm like, so sometimes, sometimes I try to love my neighbors, but it doesn't work. But there are times where it has worked. (laughs) Okay. There are times where it worked. And there was one neighbor, he was new to the neighborhood. He actually was renting the house and he'd been there a long time. And I'm sad to say we never got to meet him. We didn't welcome him to the neighborhood like we should have, but I could tell like he needed help with his driveway in the winter. So uh, I would, I would just sneak over there and do the driveway. And uh, so one time I was over there, it was kind of early and, and I'm doing the driveway, I'm snowblowing the driveway, his girlfriend parked in the driveway. So I'm like, I'm like snowblowing around her car and I got done and I'm on my way home and God's like, you're not done yet. You're going back and you're going to clean off her car like it was your car and it's going to be spotless. I want you to treat that driveway like it was your driveway. And I took my snowblower home and I got my scraper. 
And I cleaned that car off spotless. And I didn't leave any snow. I scraped the windows. And I got done. I went home. And, and I'd never heard from him about it. Again, we hadn't met him. But a couple months later, we're walking actually down the street with brownies for another new neighbor because we wanted to welcome them and uh, to the neighborhood. And we had an Easter invite, you know. And uh, and so we're walking by, and he's out in the, he's out in the garage. And I've never had this moment. With, and so I'm like, Sue, we gotta go talk to him. So I went up and introduced myself, and I'm talking to him. And uh, he found out that that I's a pastor, and I go to church here. And so then we gave him an Easter invite, and uh, and he never came. He didn't come to Easter, but. Needless to say, uh, later, I don't know how much longer later, he, he messaged me on Facebook out of the blue. I thought this dude will never, never talk to me, never message me. And, and he's like, hey, I'm going through a tough time in my life and I just need someone to talk to. I got questions about God. And, uh, I'm like, all right, I'll come over. And, um, so when I could, I, I came over there and I spent hours at his house. And he told me his story of the, the, he just went through a really dark valley in his life. And he started asking me questions. And I got to just start sharing the hope of Jesus with him. And God was giving me scripture after scripture. And it was one of those awesome moments where I swear, like every verse that God gave me, it was like it was written for him at that moment. It was so amazing. And then we're down in the basement and we're talking and I said, hey, you can have the hope that I have. You can have this salvation. You can have this forgiveness that Jesus has for all of us. And I'll pray with you. Like, would you like that? He's like, yeah, I like that. So right there, I got to pray with him and he received Jesus as Lord. Still today, I, I take Jesus to him. Like, like he's been to our men's nights. Um, we're still buddies. We just went to the movie the other night. It was amazing hanging out with him. And uh, how about you? Who's in your neighborhood that you've, you've just countered them off your, your list? You're like, no way. Like, no way. Are you serving your neighbors? Are you doing at least what you can? Are you praying? That's what we're called to do. We're called to have a servant heart. We're called to love the least of these. We're called to get out and serve. Let's do this. Let's do this.